Hello and welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. I'm your host, Brendan O'Leary. I'll be joined by my co-host, Rob McLeod, soon. Today, we're interviewing Hans van Heeswijk, who, along with a group of teachers, founded the Agora School System in the Netherlands. It's a school that has no fixed classes or curriculum, and students are encouraged to pursue their own passions and interests under the guidance of personal coaches. So join us as we chat to Hans and Peter Mary of Ubiquity University, who we spoke to a few episodes back, whose children attend the school. It's a really interesting insight into a unique child-centered approach to education. Yeah, so if we talk a little bit about maybe how the Agora approach first emerged, you know, what is what's the, a bit of the history behind this about the need for this approach to education or maybe a little bit about Hans and his background and history in education. Yeah, please. So I've been uh, retired uh, after uh, 43 years of being in the in educational surroundings and I entered the school life because my own student time was terrible and then I thought it had to be better. And I tried to uh, get it better because when I studied for a teacher, they told me a big lie. And the lie was that the student, the, the pupil was central. But that's the biggest lie I ever heard because that was not true. They are talking about children, but the system is central. Until I get acquainted with Agra, I tried to reform the system, but it is impossible because it's so combined with everything in the community. In the, so that is it's very difficult. You can try, you can do your utmost, cost many effort, but in a while it will return back to, to the root of the system. And that is a test. You have to organize. You, you told about the curriculum, that's not knowledge that is standard fault of a couple of people and we think that is what we have to learn so don't touch the curriculum because then old values will shift and then what well, then you lose control and that's the second part of the problem you have to control the children uh, you have to get them in the school you have to put them in behind the desk you have to shut up and listen and they have to wait until something will pass, with it, which is for that particular child's interest. And then some people wait four, five, or six, six years, and then all the troubles are over, and then they can start learning. So that's what I experienced at the end of my career. And, and I'm very proud of all the colleagues I had and tried to do their utmost to do something because they all, no, mostly they love children. <laughs> and you can see that they are getting disappointed because they didn't get the response of the children they they asked for, they, they deserve. Because the, between them and the children, there is the curriculum and there is the the form in which you have to pass all those years. So in 2017, I met Peter and Peter was went with his eldest son to a school in the south of the Netherlands and there he met Jeff Drummer. He was a principal of a school in, uh, in Roermond. And with Jeff Drummer, Peter came to Culemborg where my school was and then they started a little fire here. And that fire struck me too. And when I stopped with my work, it was still burning. So, and that was when I stopped in 2020. So I was able to lead a part of my school 
in a way of Agra for three years. And we started with 55 children. And when I left, there were 150. And now there are, I believe, 260. So it's still growing. And we were with four other schools, the second group who started with Agra. And now in the Netherlands, there are uh, approximately 24 schools and some schools are trying to get uh, Agra in their big community as well. I think there will be three more next year. Yeah. And what are some of the principles that define the Agora approach? So from what I've read, there's this idea of like differences in terms of how different students learn, teacher discernment or intuition or adaptability, and ultimately a very developmental science basis for for what matters for students. Could you explain to someone who hasn't heard of this before uh, what distinguishes or what some of the, the special features of an Agora-type school would be? Yeah. I think the, the children can tell what they want, want to learn. They are free in choosing those things they like to learn to get better. There are some rules and that they have to do their utmost and they have to become on the next level. And the, the teacher follows the process and open ways to do it better and closes ways which distract the student for getting lost in all the things there are, which are interesting too, but then it will be a big mess at the end. So that's the main role of the teacher in relation uh, with the child and all the things the child brings character, his interests, his fear, his everything. And his parents. <laughs> That's, uh, because parents are very important by Agra, because we said at the beginning, we are going to do it together. We are having a party when we are successful, and we mourn when we have no success at all together. And that was this kind of promise we made at the start of every every child. We made acquaintance with each other. We tried to to hear what were the expectations of the children and their parents. And then we got a conversation to do that as good as possible, to know each other and to promise each other we will do our utmost. And that would give the, not only the student, the school, but also it gave the parents an assignment. And that was very, very special because the whole day there were parents in the school. Once I asked a girl, because her mother was in the school very often, I asked her is that because the, the girl was, was 14 and normally 14 old children are ashamed for their parents so they won't have them in the neighborhood of the school <laughs> and I asked the girl is that a problem for you your mother is here all the time no no, no. she said no of course uh, uh, oh yeah uh, when she walks through the hallway that's a problem because then the students of the other parts of the school could see them that was for her annoying, but when her mother was in the part of the school where Agra was, then, then it was fine. So that's very nice. Yeah, and for the rest, we had no school schedule. Children had to be in the school at a certain time, have to work at school for five and a half hours. They had to read half an hour a day. Because after the break in the midday, at the end of the morning, they had to reshuffle their mind and had to read for half an hour or meditate or whatever, but for itself, no screens whatsoever. And after that, they started again. And every child came two and a half square meter of the school to build their own desk and their own place to be happy. So there were boys who put there a desk and a chair, and that was it. 
and other ones built a house there or they a double bed to read on top and study under. It was one, when you entered the room of Agra, it was one big mess. It had to be clean, but everyone had his own uh, part. And I believe that the two boys of Peter, they just needed a desk. <laughs> just, uh, next to them, there was a girl who built a house with, with a mailbox and a bell to enter. It was uh, quite unique. Oh yeah, and there was a, a boy who his dad saw off the front of a car and he built a desk in, in the dashboard of, uh, of the car. Nice. Well, Hans, remember that also had his bearded dragon there for a while. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, he had a big reptile box yeah. on his desk with this bearded yeah. dragon. We were worried about the alarm system in the night and in the holidays, but <laughs> he was allowed to bring the his dragon. Yeah. Or you're looking at time and space, and those are two things that isn't even on the radar of most schools, that handing over time to children, handing over space to children, as well as handing over the, I, I guess, what you, you call the challenges. Yeah. I'm I'm just interested in how those challenges kind of evolved. What, what would that look like when a teacher was working with a student to try and... Um, work out what they were going to do uh, the, the children had access to the agenda of the, the teacher and the students were obliged to make appointments in the agenda of the teacher and um, so there's there were regular appointments together and beside those one-to-one meetings the teacher walked around his around his own children because every teacher was coach of approximately 18 to 22 children so that was his group and his group was quite diverse because every age from children who started uh, in the school for the first time and at the end children who had to do their exam at the end so there was quite difference in just in age and also in level so there were very very smart kids uh, together with children who had to do their utmost to get a result at a certain level I'm just trying to imagine what these challenges look like. Were they mostly student-created projects? Is that the kind of inquiries that they were carrying out? And then teachers would help them to create questions and decide where to go next? Yeah, the children knew when he chooses his subjects, it had to be various issues because it's it, not only art, sure. also some technique or ethics or philosophy or of those right? so the together they they had to be safeguard that the the students choose various subjects so to not to be learning in in one direction also find learn the child who he was and what he would like to be when he was in the community and find a job with fits education with fits just that that's not such a good explanation but you understand what i mean Absolutely. It's fascinating. It's such an unusual approach. And yeah, the idea of guiding the students through, did the teachers maybe suggest projects for them? For, for some children, that was very necessary because not everyone not everyone had a big scale of things he, he could choose out. So there were very, most of the children, you have to help them find a project that the child liked. That, that search was nice as well. And yeah. most of the challenges failed. And that was good. <laughs> that was very good because it 
It learns what fits you, tests the relation between the teacher and the child. <laughs> yeah, that was quite nice to see that. And when the challenge was finished and the child was satisfied and the teacher was satisfied, that was a feast. That was a big party. And then- nice. Maybe I can give you some examples. Brendan from uh, Challenges My Kids did. So the eldest, who is now, by the way, studying uh, international business and event management for esports in London, um, he one of the projects uh, he did early on was to um, lead the building of a computer for VR. They would be able to have like a computer with VR in the room. And, um, you know, he was studying at the university level. So he was given the challenge not to build it himself, but to lead a team of people, find all the parts, coordinate, having it built, etc. My youngest, who's just in his first year at the moment, I was asking him yesterday, what's he what are his challenges? He's doing two individual ones, which are language-based challenges. So he's teaching himself Spanish and he's teaching himself Scottish Gaelic. Wow. <laughs> now find a school where you'd be able to, to do that latter one. And, you know, whether he ends up speaking it fluently is not really the point. It's being exposed to, a, you know, Scottish Gaelic is a completely different structure of language than anything else. And it does something with your brain. When you have to engage, you know, a different, completely different form of language in terms of the way even the words are built up and things. And then he's also doing um, a challenge at the moment about the body, about the human body. So he's, he's into sports and stuff as well, you know, which ties in very well to biology. And they'll probably go out. He'll probably go out with the person he's doing it with to a nice museum that they have here um, around the body. He's completed a challenge uh, around trying to create the ideal profile for a football referee. So he went out and studied. He watched videos of like many of the top referees, did some research on it, and then created his ideal profile and then ranked the current referees by by that profile. For example, Fantastic. Are those all completely individual or small group? So you have many of these running at the same time? Yeah, we started uh, with one big room with 55 children. Um, but we... and And... Most of the time it was quiet and the children did their best at their own place. But when the, I can remember the first year we had in the room next of the, the group, we had a board meeting. We were there for uh, two hours and there was no, not a moment we have to, I had to say to the children, uh, do your best because they did their own job. But when the group was growing, there was some difficulties to get a base atmosphere. So you have the, the, the some students who were they're getting bored and then they they ask attention from the neighbors so that the, the teachers were quite busy to restore the, the agra order. I believe that now I believe now they had more old classrooms. So there you can see the system is getting tries to get it Agra back in uh, form. So you have to work hard <laughs> to make this revolution a success. Yeah, I, often a student will have a couple of challenges ongoing at the same time. I mean, Joshua, I think, is doing four different challenges in parallel at the moment. Two individual and a couple with different, you know, one with one other person, one with two other people. And they've def- they have this challenge monitor, which they have to fill in which describes, you know, what's the end result going to be? Uh, what are you expecting to learn while you're doing it? And, you know, they have to run it by the coach uh, first and they, they kind of sign off on it and then you can start your challenge. 
So I have two yeah. questions, uh, both about negotiation, one from the student teacher side. So you mentioned, you know, students can't only focus in one specific direction. There needs to be some variety. I'm curious if the school does have not a curriculum, but sort of a an overarching idea or a, a set of areas or a set of competencies that throughout the school year or the school career students need to engage in these. And the second piece is the negotiation. Hans, as you mentioned, the system trying to find its way back in. There's still standardized tests for these students at the end. They still are part of the Dutch school system. So how have you been able to meet the needs of that system you're existing within and still negotiating and fighting for your autonomy? So what's the school's sort of requirements or maybe background framework that the students do need to work through to ensure a balance of disciplines or areas of interest? And then how has the school managed to negotiate itself within the demands of the larger Dutch school system? Yeah, there was in the in the room there was a big there was a big globe. And uh, on the globe there was I had a colleague who who built that globe and it was not only a globe, but on that globe you could see the, the five different subjects you can divide the world into the ethical way, the technical way, the science way. The children had to choose, had to define their subject. The child had to find this to do with science, or this part has to do with ethics. So uh, he had to be aware about those subjects. On the other hand, every child knew that at the end, he had to do some tests, uh, the exam. He had to operate in the law. We always said we uh, it's a revolution, but we have to work in the law. So we have to follow what is needed. And that was in itself a big challenge as well. <laughs> the thing what was the most important was belief in the children, that they were smart enough to, that they know at some point, oh, now I had to start preparing for an exam. We didn't say them that you, they have to do that in the third year of the fourth year or the sixth year. They could start that part of their school being at the moment they want. So there were children who started already from the first day they were on school uh, with their preparation of their exams. Think of those children who were involved by what parents and their family said you had to do in the school, but they were allowed to do that. When they wanted to do that, they were allowed to do that. And there were children who did their own ideas and challenges a year before they started to do their exam. And one of the possibilities Agar had, we, you didn't have to do your exam in one year. You can put the half of your subjects in the year before the end of the school and the other half in the end, what you want. So the children are allowed to make their own choices in that. And also the level they wanted and, they, and the level that fits the students. So there were children who would get a result with very various levels, but that is allowed in the Dutch law. So, but I know schools who do that. We did that. That whole process, yeah, that's was quite exciting. And, and because there were always, there were doubts, doubts by the children. I'm doing, do I, do I make the, the best efforts to do that by the parents, by the 
environment of the children, the families, the, the neighbors. They thought they said you were experimenting with children, but that was not the fact. We were believing children. When I stopped, I gave every child a medal, and on that medal is the text, you were an Agra hero and not uh, a guinea pig. <laughs> so that was the, the difference. One of the senses I have is just, this isn't just a change for the school system. This isn't just a change for the role of the teachers. From what I understood, when a student is new to school, there's the brain boot camp. And I was very interested, at least the way that Peter wrote it, it was that uh, the students are de-schooled and need to unlearn the expectations they've had in school. And that the school basically says, we are not going to teach you you're going to learn to teach yourselves. What would that brain boot camp look like to prepare students for these new norms or expectations on, on them? It's just like the curse on the record. I have a grandchild who is six years now. I brought him to his school. Before you go to the primary school, you have to do tests in the Netherlands. Uh, one said when you want to have a child, you have to not to test on DNA, but on which level will you end your school. That's insane. So they're going to their school, getting in the system. And after, at the end of this year, when my grandson isn't able to read at a certain level, he will be put away, aside. And when he has the good level, he will go to the top of the possibilities. The guy is six. So when you are brainwashed for several years and you come to the next uh, school and then they are saying by Agra, forget all that. For some students, it costs two years to get out of that burned in system thinking. And then, and there I saw successful children who were struggling with Agra for more than two years, fighting with themselves in to know themselves and to believe that they were able to get successful. They were told for more than eight years they were losers and punished with grades when they were not good enough. They were, they were written in red and otherwise they were written in green. And that's, and I can assure you that an, a normal child will act after a half a year that approach. They, they close themselves for influences from school, from this learn instead of they, that they learn how to be themselves and create their own possibilities and, their, and create their own future. There's, a, no, there's a, a big discussion in the Netherlands about rock your uh, in Belgium. Uh, you said next to uh, the Netherlands, but that is not completely correct. It is far from the Netherlands because the way children think in the Netherlands, they, they want to be independent. Uh, they are not, they're not led. Uh, you have to do some effort to bring a, a Dutch child from A to B because the Dutch child will say, why? Not only when he's four years old, but also when he's 14 years old. Why? And you have to, to have a relation and bring them. In Belgium, it's quite different. Now there is a PISA, a big institution that compares countries in which level children read or uh, have knowledge about science and mathematics. And in that comparison, the Dutch will is now 
not so very good. I studied the, the questions about the PISA. The PISA research gives questions to the children and those questions are made in university. Very beautiful questions. And you have to do your utmost to understand what they want you to answer. That's quite an effort. I'm not such a big fool, but I have to do my utmost to answer one of those questions and for sure that is the correct answer. And so there are lots of questions that are very difficult. The, the PISA is given to 5,000 Dutch students and they, the school in which those tests were done, they get a little financial money and the teachers are said you have to find some children in your class who do the test and the children becomes a little present when they have finished the test a little present and then you would imagine a dutch child starts with his first question and thinks oh that's quite difficult okay i think it's that but after the seventh question you think it's too difficult and i don't want to have the present so you make your tests and you give it back to the teacher and I think one of the biggest problems of the test is that it's uh, you are testing a Dutch guy, <laughs> not uh, an average school child. So the, when you come from Singapore or Japan or China or Belgium, you have to make those questions at your you have to do your best because otherwise you will fail enormously. That's not a question in the balance. So that's a kind of mentality. But it won't say that the, in the Netherlands the education is bad because I think we have very small countries. We have big efforts with very happy people and very happy children. We are one of the most, uh, the, uh, the top of the world of the most happy children in the world. They are quite successful when they are in there when they are ready on the school and then interesting that okay so we didn't do so well on pizza or we don't feel that the school system is really working for our children but instead of changing and adapting ideas more like agora and more child-centered we go the other way and say no the problem is that we're just not doing enough drilling we're just not testing the children enough we're not whether we're doing well or badly, the solution is always more of that more traditional kind of system. Which fails again, because when you drill them, uh, then there will be more children who get out of the system. They, you have to do something with those children that costs lots of money. So you, you get all those children together who fail, fall out of the system, put them in a school, and you put in much money, more money. And it's not successful because there's not the belief that those children want to learn. In Bahia, we were sure that every child wants to learn. Every child. Not at the time you want. <laughs> or the curriculum says you have to do that now. But every child wants to. And when you believe that, it gives faith to the children and they will be successful. And you have only to be around those children, the, the teacher, the school, the environment, the parents. When they fall, you can pick them up, stand straight up and believe in your own possibility. That's, that is the main problem in education in Holland. I think that word trust, whenever we talk about 
child-centered education, progressive education, the word trust comes up very, very quickly. And the system you're describing, as you say, really trusts people and thinks that people at their core are good and want to learn and want to help each other. Is there a hope to make the wider system be more hopeful and trusting in people? Is there a way to do that? There is a um, union in the Netherlands. All the, the schools are member of that union. That union has a strategical document. The biggest part of that document you can put in the mission of Aarhus. So everyone wants this. Everyone. But the system tells them uh, different things. So, so now Agra has some success and the children are successful and have wonderful results. They go to their schools with joy. Parents are very happy and they say, I have a different child. Now there's a moment that we hope that people can listen to those things, that it is possible. The Ministry of Education is in interested in what's happening there. And they uh, are now asking the Agra schools, give us proof that it works. Find a way to explain us that you are successful. Not only by the exams, but because I think Agra is the answer of very big, very many questions. Success, happiness, the dropout problem, the Agra is an answer to that too. They think for some children, they are better off by learning for a small part of their time in the school, but at home in their own environment as well. To combine that, they think that could be very successful. Now you because now there are more than 70,000 children who are in the Netherlands not attending a school. They're just sitting home and think they are losers. Mm. And I think you can combine and make a connection with those children, you can be successful. So there is a movement in the Netherlands, it's called Agra Underground, which is trying to do that. And that, have, that gives some children hope that, okay, I'm not a loser. I can still achieve what I want. I mean, there's also things like bullying, for example, massively reduced in Agora. Yeah, yeah. That's not necessary. The, the children, are, they, they feel safe uh, in the school. When, when the children came to the school, uh, they put out their shoes. <laughs> it came in, in clothes, which was not allowed by the community <laughs> or the rest of the school. The, the flippers. The sloppy house clothes. Yeah. yeah, because they feel at home. You could could be between the walls of Agra who you were. That's a very important idea, again, in, in student-centered, child-centered, that you bring all of yourself to school. Every part of you is important. And we've talked a lot on the podcast about that idea. More, more traditional schools says parts of you are not okay in school or acceptable. You have to leave that outside. Certainly when you are in your... Uh, 12, 12, 13, 14 years, you have to find an example. Who, what can I be? You have no idea what you can become, but you have to experience with that. Who am I? And then you need to be, to have a safe environment to explore that. When COVID came, there was, that was not a problem for Agra because the children could work on their challenges as well. But the biggest problem was the, the lack of meeting each other. 
that was the big biggest problem of COVID. So that so, uh, that part, uh, Agra children were suffering as well. Hans, you know, was talking about trust. And one of the hardest things, you know, I was obviously there from the beginning. So Finland, our oldest, had been for two years in the traditional system and then was showing symptoms of burnout. And that's why I kind of went to look for this alternative. And in the traditional system, you've got an app, basically, and it has your grades, you know, and the grades keep getting updated after the test. And that's what everyone's looking at the whole time. That's the parents kind of, in a way, illusory reassurance that the child is doing well and, you know, will end up having a bright future because the grades are okay in the app. There's no grades at Agora. There's no homework. The things you have to hold on to as a parent, like in the traditional, they're gone. You have no idea how your child is performing. Absolutely none, except, of course, the core, which is you see them as a human being and how they grow and develop. But for a lot of parents, that's really tough. And the biggest question parents have is, is my child going to get their diploma? Now, imagine the first years we were in, no Agora student had got to the point of taking their exam yet. So we were all, my God, can they do this and pass their exams? And they did. And they do. But for for a parent in our culture who needs some kind of reassurance or control that their child's going to be a success at school, I mean, it's a big challenge for the parents as well. In the beginning, uh, brave parents, as Peter, very much to overwin my own doubts because I was victim of the system as well. After 40 years in education, to throw away all those so-called certainties and start all over again, that was quite an adventure. And then you needed every well-thinking people around you. And so I formed a group of parents in which we tried to find the questions and some answers. <laughs> so that was quite a nice experience. Yeah, I'm interested in um, teachers in the sense that, of course, as you said, most teachers love children. They're, they're in the education for a good reason. But putting them in a in an environment like Agora, which is so free, so open, how do you prepare the teachers or, or train them, help them, support them to be able to run all of these challenges? Uh, by selecting uh, the teachers, their own skills were more important than the subject they the, than the subject they study. So we had a teacher who was a bio- biology uh, teacher. But she was also child pedagogue, a teacher who studied France, but she was also a psychologist. Uh, we had teacher of gymnastics, but he was also a sub-coach of the Dutch corfball team. We had a teacher who was a physician, but he knew everything about stars and the, the planets and everything. So what they were was more important than what they knew. That there's a problem in finding teachers in the Netherlands. There's a lack of 10,000 of teachers in the Netherlands. We have, have never a problem to find a teacher for Agra because everyone who sent in an application, you knew that he was thinking. <laughs> when you make the decision after Hey, because they were all also a few they had to, to apply. But yeah, you can see that in the first sentence of, of the letter. But everyone who get knowledge to Agra and decided I want to work with those idiots, that's yeah, that was very good. And then you could see I want to have a combination between the who are you and what did you study. So that was no problem at all. 
And then when they started, when I started half a year before the children came, one day in a week, we were together because we had to find out everything together. In that time, with six people together. And that was that was very nice. Those That half year together working on this project was, uh, was a I look back to that with very much joy. And after that, when the, the group started, I asked new, new teachers to apply around Christmas. And then I start in February to prepare the new teachers for the next year and give them some money for that. After half a day in a week together, could show them what's, how we practiced the ideas. Beautiful. I mean, it's a, it's a very special kind of person who can work in such a messy real world environment you know that delivered a, a, a sub problem and it was when those teachers came because i i made this agora in a big school community of 1800 students uh, and there were uh, teachers from the original school who applied for Agra. But the problem was when I said come to Agra, I had problems with my colleagues because I took their best teacher. So the best teachers goes to go to Agra. So that's, that was very nice. <laughs> but gave me a problem with my colleagues. You lose yeah. a lot of friends that way, Hans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was by, sometimes it was a lonely job. So... We've had such a fantastic discussion, and I'm just—I do have an eye on the time for us here. Are there any um, aspects of the school that we haven't talked about yet that you feel are important to to mention for people who are new to this idea? We started this problem with the curriculum class-based, level-based system, and but my experience is now that the rest of my school are now in the interesting in some aspects of agri. So now, after five years, they start looking what can we use from agri in our basic system. So that's a good process. And we oblige the parents to bring their knowledge into the school. So everyone is good in something and, and of know someone who's good in something and the, they were challenged to bring those knowledge into the school in form of giving lessons or take children we had a big natural historical museum someone who worked there with fossils of, of dinosaurs so bring take some children from the school go to the museum let them see what you're doing there Peter brought several times uh, his knowledge into the school. With, uh, there was a volleyball coach who took some children into the gymnastic room and, and told them how he worked. And so that variety of subjects came uh, into the school and the children could sign in. They're not obliged to visit uh, those lessons, but they could sign in. And when someone came with a subject uh, and only two children signed in, our job to say to their parents, you're welcome, but know that there are not 100 children are listening to your lesson, but only two. So that was nice as well. So you could see, I think it's still working now, uh, Peter. The- yeah, yeah. I mean, they have a couple a day, you know, really. Yeah. And it can either be parents or like Hans says, the extended network of parents who know people and invite them to come in and you just have an hour. 
you know, to do something with the kids or to take them somewhere. I did a whole thing with uh, the intention experiments, you know, and uh, had them try to try to yeah. read the hidden cards and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, there was a pilot of a big jumbo jet. Uh, he came in his uniform with all his uh, mm. all his stripes and took children uh, into a story about law in the air. Because when you are a commander of a, of a plane, you have to be not only the one who brings the people safe from one place to another, but they are also policemen and judge as well, and, and doctor as well. So he thought about those things. It was very nice. It's interesting to combine the community to include their sense of meaning, their sense of contribution as well. That it's not just limited to the student's interest, the student's sense of meaning, their purpose, but you're yeah. you're bringing that one layer out of being able to bring the parents in and say, well, this is what's meaningful to me. And and I guess in some sense, act as almost role models to the others about the opportunities and, and new perspectives that are out there. We didn't buy books for the children. And instead of that, we divided the money and gave every child a budget. And he could use his budget for whatever he wanted to do but he was not allowed to save or to go to the stock market with that money but uh, for the rest he could buy pencils of paint or going to this train to amsterdam to go to a museum or whatsoever so they had their own budget and they all got a laptop as well again it's just so much trusting in people do sometimes the children break that trust and if so how would you kind of approach that yeah of course of course they they they're not model children they, they make mistakes and they were at a certain point they were allowed to make those mistakes they were corrected when they made the ghost students were a victim of their behavior and and when you are noisy too noisy your ghost student is a victim of your behavior when you do some nasty things in a social network, then your co-students are victim of your behavior. No, in that way, we were just helping them to do the good things. No, but that was not the problem, because when my children were young, they got punished when they did things they were wrong. And I loved them very much. So that was quite normal in anger as well. So I won't... Uh, I make objection against the, the word freedom and agra. That is, they were free to learn what they want. But for the rest, they had to learn in a community with the rules we made together. And you have to keep those rules. And that's, that's the fact, no discussion. When you want to make it better, you are allowed to give us a, a suggestion that, we, that becomes better. And we listen to you because every day the group started up with a group meeting with his own coach to speak about those things. And it was for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and the normal process started. They were always connected with how we did it together. Yeah, and connecting all of those aspects, you know, if somebody makes a mistake and it hurts somebody else, then we bring them together to work out that conflict. And if one of the things we've talked about with progressive education or child-centered is that the children's opinions are important. And so a lot of schools are, are democratic models. Is there a dem democratic element to um, Agora? Yeah, an element, yeah. 
because because you can vote together by kind of referendum think about an idea which is not realistic of they don't recognize the consequences of the long term of their ideas then you say yeah nice but we don't do it so I was quite autocratic in that way. There are borders, and between those borders, you can do what you decide together. That's probably a good spot for wrapping up because I feel that, in a nutshell, summarizes this. It's like you have the freedom to pursue what you want, but you're in a community and there are borders in place so that you can pursue what is meaningful and, and of interest to you. Peter and Hans, thank you so much for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation and both Brendan and I and our listeners as well benefit so much from being able to visit your schools in this sense to, to get a sense of what life is like for the students, for the staff, and in this case, for the parents as well in the school. So thank you so much for, for highlighting everything you have with us today. Thank you very much for that. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm happy that people like you are in the world doing these wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brendan and I, sometimes we get discouraged every now and then. And then it's conversations like this that I think like, okay, good. There are other <laughs> there are other people out there with similar ideas. So it, it's uh, it's nourishing for us as well. I wish you good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Okay. Enjoy your day. Bye.